welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning. Welcome to Awaken. We're so glad that you're here joining in this time of worship with us. I'm Kathy Solomon, the Director of Community Life, and before I share a call to worship, just a few little details to go over. Um, we're so glad that you're here, and we are following mask mandates um, from the CDC and um, in St. Paul, so while we know it's not everyone's preference, we really value keeping everyone um, as safe as we can, so thanks for adhering to that. Um, also, parents with little ones, we realize kids are going to be squirmy. I mean, what kid is not squirmy? I'm squirmy as an adult. So um, just, it's fine. If kids are squirmy in the pews, there are activity bags in the back. And, um, but if you find that you want to um, just pull away a little bit with your little one, the nursery over on this side is open, and the twos and three rooms downstairs at the very kind of back of the hall, you can take them down there if kids want a little bit of a break. Um, also, if you're new, um, we would love to connect with you. We really value authentic relationships and getting to know people um, on an individual basis. So um, we have a scan card at the back, and you can scan that in and share that you're new here or go online and let us know that as well. Also, as far as tithes and offerings, um, we are collecting those online, so if you'd like to give and support the Ministry of Awaken in that way, you can do that online. Now for entering our time of worship. The call to worship this morning is by um, Henry Nowen, or I think he probably would have pronounced it Henri. And he is a Dutch Catholic priest he was a professor, writer, and theologian. After nearly two decades of teaching at Notre Dame and Yale and Harvard Divinity Schools, Nowen lived and served at La Arche Daybreak Community, um, which has individuals with intellectual and developmental um, disabilities. He's written many, many books, and I'm using a um, devotional for our call to worship this morning. The still, small voice of love. Many voices ask for our attention. There is a voice that says, prove that you are a good person. Another voice says, you'd better be ashamed of yourself. And one that says, be sure to become successful, popular, and powerful. Also a voice that says, nobody really cares about you. But underneath all of these often very noisy voices is a still, small voice that says, you are my beloved. My favor rests on you. That's the voice we need most of all to hear. 
to hear that voice, however, requires special effort. It requires solitude, silence, and a strong determination to listen. That's what prayer is. It is listening to the voice that calls us, my beloved. As we continue this call, I want to take this time to give an invitation to a breath prayer. Breath prayer is as simple as inhaling, and as you inhale, you repeat some words, and as you exhale, you repeat words. So as you inhale and exhale, breathe in these words. I am beloved. And on your exhale, be loved. So inhale, I am beloved. Exhale, be loved. I will give you just a few moments to practice this breath. Now together, as a community, let's breathe in together these words. Inhale, we are God's beloved. And exhale, be loved. We are God's beloved. Be loved. We are God's beloved. Be loved. And God, may we continue to hear your still, small voice speaking our belovedness with each breath, and we come fully present as a beloved community in worship this morning. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jenna. If we haven't met, I'm the executive pastor here at Awaken. I'm <laughs> that, okay, for those of you who maybe don't know, that little woo when I introduce myself comes from my brother, so I don't feel like it really counts. I'm not, not really that important around here. <laughs> um, but I'm very glad to be teaching. Uh, the next couple weeks, uh, you'll hear from me today. The next two weeks, you'll hear from Pastor Judy Howard-Peterson. That name doesn't mean anything to you. That's okay. Um, Pastor Judy was one of my pastors when I went to North Park in Chicago. And there are very few pastors whose every word I hang on. Um, I'm not going to promise that experience for you, but she is worth uh, listening to and just has more wisdom and, I don't know, a life uh, that reflects all the right things in my mind. So... She's an important person in my life. Very excited for you guys to get to hear her. While Micah is away for the next couple weeks on the Camino, if anyone knows what that is, it's a spiritual pilgrimage of sorts, of sorts in Spain. So I will be holding down the fort. Um, 
So, it's good, but this morning we are five weeks into gathering again in the building, um, which has been so good and sweet. Um, and out of that, we started this series called Proximate, and it's attempting to answer this question of, you know, we've had 73 weeks away, and this is a pretty uh, intense transition back to gathering in a building with people. Like, how do we actually be together again? How do we process everything that has happened this past year and join again, all the while knowing we are still in kind of an uncertain moment? Shout out to those on the live stream and choosing to podcast. And as I was sitting with, I don't know, like what needs to be said, I feel like the last couple weeks we've eased in in terms of our conversation and um, I just kept coming back to like, can we actually talk about where we are? Um, can we talk about like what happened this past year? And I know that many of us are really tired of talking about the pandemic, um, of talking about all of the other things that happened this past year. I was in a conversation with a friend of mine um, where I, I was like pulling out my best question of how was this past year for you? Um, and he's like, at what point is that question going to get phased out? Like, I'm, I don't, how many times can I have the same conversation? And yet, I just, I feel like there's an invitation there to name some things, to pause, to reflect. Um, even though I know we all come to it different. Uh, maybe you are totally fine in the room today, and that's great. Um, and maybe you come in with the weight of the events of this past week in Afghanistan and school board meetings and um, our world literally on fire in different places of, of the country and, and world, right? Like, it affects us. Um, so I wanna talk about it this morning. If you are new or visiting, uh, how we handle a sermon at Awaken is it's the beginning of the conversation, not the end. Um, so, I hope this sparks conversation for you. Um, that's my intro. Uh, if you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the word? We are in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 1 through 13. Hear these words. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and that they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, nevertheless God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. It did not go well. Uh, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. 
So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Would you pray with me? God, for eyes to see and ears to hear this morning, the ways you might be inviting us to hear, the ways you might be inviting us to see, God, I pray for a deep sense of a tangible presence this morning that you are with, you are for, you are holding us. God, would you take the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth and do with them what I cannot do myself. In your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. Uh, so just to begin, I, I would like to name, in fact, that some translations translate uh, this passage at the very end. God will not give you anything that you can't handle <laughs> in the midst of a global pandemic and all the things. My experience tells me that I've been given things that I can't necessarily handle, but that is, that is how we're, we're talking about this morning. Um, nevertheless, an interesting passage to be studying so I wanted to start with a little bit of context, um, but to keep it pretty simple, Paul is in the midst of a pretty large and complex argument regarding the church at Corinth and individuals in that community who are participating in a cultural and religious practice of sacrificing food to idols. They're also called idol feasts. So in this book, he's talking a lot about the Lord's table. Last week, we talked a little bit about the Lord's table or that uh, Christian tradition and practice of communion. But he's talking about the distinctives of that meal as it compares to idol feasts. And really, at, at the heart of what Paul is trying to say and confront is to those who are choosing to participate in these idol feasts, like you have the freedom to do so, However, what is the impact of that freedom on your brother and sister and on your relationship with Christ, your identity in Christ? So he's challenging them, he's correcting, he's tethering, he's attempting to ground the people to reflect on, like, how is this practice functioning in your life? And he's encouraging the people to live congruently with Christ and who they know Christ to be, what Christ has done. So that's really the context here. Um, so that is what Paul cares about. He uses all the tools in the toolbox to do it. So he opens this passage with a story, and a story that many would have been familiar with, the Exodus narrative. So the Hebrew people were liberated from their enslavement and were wandering in the wilderness uh, on their way to a promised land. And that wandering lasted a lot longer. And Paul says, you know, in their wandering, the Hebrew people were given everything they needed. They were given food, they were given water, they were given Sabbath, and they were given God's presence in a cloud. And so what Paul is trying to do by telling this story He's trying to position the people and orient them to God's history. Essentially, 
helping them reflect and beg the question, church at Corinth, where are you? But Paul does it in kind of the prickly way that Paul does. Um, There's a sharpness to it, right? He has this whole litany of offenses, uh, things that the Hebrew people uh, missed and didn't do right, and the consequence that came with that. And so Paul says, despite the people being able to orient themselves in God's story, with all of the access to this spiritual reality, the people still failed, like God's judgment still came upon them. So that, that, that's kind of what he's getting at by starting that way. So he says to the Corinthians, despite your access, despite your ability to ground yourself in the story, uh, learn from their example, lest you provoke Christ, is what he says. So maybe a little translation said different. Church at Corinth, do better. Church at Corinth, more specifically, don't repeat history. Do better than those who have come before you. Now, I I will just give a really honest side note. I love the Bible. I am a pastor after all and have dedicated most of my life to studying it. Uh, But there are things that evoke response in me sometimes. There are things that I have a hard time with. Namely, Paul and his lists of people and the ways, um, really I think what I react to in that is when we take passages like this and we unreflectively interpret and irresponsibly apply implications from these words. So what I mean by that is this. A couple of years ago, I had the gift and opportunity um, to go to a refugee camp in Kenya. These are people who have experienced some of the most inhumane things that humans can experience. And they find themselves in refugee camps awaiting resettlement. And the theology that is rampant there, not everywhere, but for the most part, so many of these people hold the assumption that my sin brought upon God's judgment, which is how I got here. And so by repenting and fixing my sin, God will then show up and liberate me. You see what I'm saying? Like when we're unreflective about how those words impact us, even, even cross-culturally, right? But I, I don't think Paul is necessarily saying that. Um, even myself, in, in preparation, I, there was just this like, all of my rule-following, like good Christian uh, impulse in me that I've had since I was a young kid was just like, oh my God, am I unfaithful? <laughs> um, you know, and it's not that that's a bad question to ask. It's just the wash of shame started yelling the loudest, right? And now I, I, I share that. I, I was the kid. I, I realized that I'm sensitive. I was the kid in school where, like, when the teacher would in veiled language say, do better, I was like, oh, God, I am the one that got the class in trouble. (laughs) Do better, Jenna. Uh, Mrs. Walton was most certainly not talking about me. Definitely not talking about me. And so 
I know that I'm sensitive to it. I know that not everyone comes with that kind of like reaction to words like this, but I know there are enough people in the room who do. And so my job this morning and my, my attempt at saying that out loud is I don't want us to get unnecessarily stuck if you're experiencing shame. I think Paul is actually saying something deeply important that we have to hear. He's saying something important to humans. And I just, I want to say, if you feel that, deep breath. <laughs> that's, not, <laughs> that's not where we're going. Um, I think what Paul is saying, that important word to humans and about humans, is no matter how good your intentions are, no matter how certain you have positioned yourself in the story of God, we all have the capacity to and sometimes do really mess up. Like, a lot. And sometimes our parents mess up. And sometimes our parents' parents mess up. And sometimes the people groups we're associated with really mess up and there is consequence for the whole. Like, there is impact to how we live and show up in the world. And sometimes it comes with consequence that we really didn't see coming. I just, I think it's important to say that because despite you know, or, or maybe what's underneath the admonition of all of the things that Paul is saying is reflect. Like, think about the ways that your life is impacting the world, right? Do better. Don't repeat history. Because despite whatever ideal we hold of ourselves and our hope that we become and participate in God's kingdom on the world and the renewal of all things, all, all of the things that motivate us and show, like help us show up to this. If we can't look at or acknowledge or name some of the places that are hurting, some of the places that are broken, like what is it for? We have to be able to stop and look at ourselves. If this year and all we experienced together wasn't a collective unveiling of things as they are, I, I don't know what else it was. We saw a lot break open, personally, collectively. Some were less surprised than others. Like, of course, racism is actually that bad. And of course, our healthcare system is that broken. And of course, social media is a bit of a dumpster fire and not the best tool for transformation. Can I get an amen? Right? Of course. But some of us were surprised. Some of us really thought that relationship was stronger. Some of us really thought that those people who had walked with us through every season of our lives would be on the same page. I just, I think in a number of ways, it was like everything we had built up into that point was on display in a way that we couldn't ignore it because our, many of us, our, our distractions were gone. 
So I'm convinced, this, this was like a thing that I, I would often say in conversation with people. How does your family do conflict? Like, if you don't ever talk about stuff, do you think that when all the things are happening, like all of a sudden you're gonna be good at talking about stuff? Right, it, it just showed that, okay, maybe, maybe we do conflict in this way, right? It revealed things in us. And so, as we walked out, racial uprisings, one of the messiest elections in US history, a historic trial, right? We just didn't have the distractions that we had before. And while some of us were sitting at home, bored, others were working 60 to 80 hour work weeks, trying to save lives, teach kids, make sure people had food and everything they needed to survive, right? Maybe you were too busy, <laughs> like you had to be distracted, right? This past year really asked us to look at a lot of things in our society, in our churches, in ourselves. So a question for you this morning, based on what you saw, based on what you were able to see, is there a history you need to keep from repeating? Are there patterns you saw that need your attention? Where is God inviting you to do better? Maybe some of you know the answer to that question really quick. That's great. But knowing the answer to that question and then actually heeding the work to try to do better, uh, those are two very different things. Maybe part two of this sermon. Um, but today it is less about that process and more about how do we stop and see before the moment gets away from us. I'll speak for myself. I'm a pretty naturally reflective person. I love introspection. It's probably why my sermon is, hey, let's stop and see for a while. Um, but you know what I hate right now? Sitting with my thoughts and feelings. I don't want to feel. I don't want to think. I don't want to talk about it. A couple weeks ago, I, I didn't show up to my therapy appointment. I just didn't go. I woke up, I turned off my notifications, and I didn't go. And I lied about it. But I just didn't have it. I didn't want to think. I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to do better. So I acted like a teenager. No offense to the teenagers in the room. Um, it was a great day. <laughs> it actually was. <laughs> uh, you know, but, but I share all of that, not because, oh God, we got to get Jenna on the prayer list. <laughs> She's not doing well. Who is well? Some, some of you are, and I'm very happy. I'm not trying to tell you to not be well. We celebrate your wellness. And I think for those uh, who maybe are not having that experience, we just on some larger level have to say that out loud in a room together. Um, 
I just don't want us to miss the moment. And I share that because I think many of us are really tapped out. Someone said it uh, perfectly a couple weeks ago. He said, it feels like we just ran a marathon that we didn't train for, and now we have to run another marathon. And it just like, oh, it was like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Now, I still think it's important to say, even if we're tired, for whatever, any other reason, um, I still think we have to ask ourselves the question, like what was exposed? And what needs our attention? I don't want the work that was done in this past year to be undone. I want you to be awake, right? So whether that was, you know, the things that were revealed, whether that was your schedule, your family's schedule, disparities in our country and world, unhealthy coping mechanisms, familial stuff, like you name it, fill in the blank. What did you see that still needs your attention? And I think as entertainment, uh, to me it just, it, in my, it, it feels like a siren song that is just lulling me back to distraction. Right? And again, I don't want to steal your joy. I am a huge advocate for fun. I am a fun seeker in my life. I want you to be excited about the State Fair. What I want to be careful about is when it comes at cost to the things that saying, pay attention to me. Look over here at this part of your life. That is what I'm trying to talk to this morning. And for those in the room who are putting out fires in your daily life, I know who some of you are, who don't feel like you have the capacity to like sit down for a half an hour and like reflect on what came up for you, oh, that's okay. There will be a day when you will be able to do that again. Pay attention to what needs your attention. And maybe that's just getting through the day right now. So I also want to say that. As we continue, there's another layer of that do better, don't repeat history word this morning that I want to unpack a little more. And it's this. The process is not linear. Sometimes we can name a thing, we can identify the patterns we want to break, we can want to do better with what we've been given, we can have all the right intentions to do better. And sometimes we still get lost. We still lose sight of the people that we're called to be, of who God is calling us to become. We can become like the Hebrew people, like wandering. You don't do it right every day. 
Sometimes you go whole years not doing it right. Sometimes whole chapters of your life are spent going back and repeating the things you committed to yourself that you don't want to repeat. Like, that's just the real part of it, even with the best intentions. Like, where do you go from there? And shoot, what happens if you do worse than those who have gone before you? Like, are you just doomed to be God's vessel uh, for judgment and to be an example of what not to do for future generations? Kind of feel like Paul said that. I just, it's so much deeper. Because what Paul is also saying is be humble. He says it this way. So if you think you are standing firm... Be careful that you don't fall. It takes a lot of humility to be honest about where you're lost, to be honest about what you're attempting to ignore. And friends, I hate to say it, but there are no heroes in the work of doing better. (laughs) Like, we make heroes, and that's a good thing. Like, there are people who have done amazing things who have gone before us faithfully, who have shown us the way, like this is what better looks like. We can't do it without those people, right? Who are in front of us. But they are just humans. Even they are not above falling. Neither are we. Everyone stands to get lost a time or two in your lives. Maybe more. And maybe that's you this morning. Feeling like you lost your way. Or maybe that's someone in your life. You feel like they've wandered away from who you thought they were. It hurts. It really hurts. And sometimes it comes with consequence. But it takes a whole lot of humility to let that process play out and to not have a too inflated sense of ourselves. Like doing better is so much bigger than just like muscling through and my ability. Like we can't do that without God. God is the author of that transformation and invitation and revealing, right? It's much bigger than us. I had a friend talk about it this way, and it it was so helpful for me, so I'm going to share it here. We were talking about people, how people change, baggage, doing better, the broken systems and structures that exist in the world, and the broken ideas, like perpetuated by broken people, right? And we were talking specifically about racism and like, this thing, can we actually change this and fix this and heal this? And she looked at me and she said, Jenna, like in the vision of God creating a better world, that vision and revelation, no more tears, no more death, like the reality of that work and the places where we are broken It's like we're building a cathedral together. And you just have one brick. 
and you take that one brick and you faithfully walk it up to your spot and you place it next to and on top of those who have gone before you. That's your work. You are not the first brick and you will not be the last. Right? But that brick comes with flaw, comes with mistake. It's maybe been dropped a time or two. But that's the work. That is trusting that there is a God that helped create that brick and is going to walk with you in the formation of that thing, in the potential, in the brokenness, in the ways that we wander. Like we, we get to trust that there is a God at work in that with you. A God that knows the contours, the tender spots, the places we're vulnerable to getting lost. Like we don't, we don't do that alone, but it takes a lot of humility to know that, to keep showing up to that and to keep trusting that there is something bigger at work in that process that we lean on, that we depend on. Paul continues on talking about temptation in the process uh, and how we will never be tempted beyond what we can bear. And I think said different, you will always have a choice, an agency in who you become and how you show up in the world, whether that's in line with God or not. Uh, there will always be options in front of you to take a step back or to take a step forward. And our journey is all sorts of ways, right? God will always, in your furthest of wanderings, create a path to do better. That's just how it works. I had a couple weeks, well, a couple months ago, when I did show up to therapy, <laughs> had a really good reflection. <laughs> um, that I, I think in some ways illustrates this. this. This was a reflection of mine, but I think it works. Um, I came away with two thoughts. The first, God might not keep me from all harm. And I know maybe all of our evangelical tentacles are coming up that like, no, God will keep us from all harm. God will always protect us. Sure. And I look back at this week and the stories I held. Terrorist attack in Afghanistan, cancer, a chronic illness flare-up, a breakup, uh, you know, right? All of the things. Like, no matter how hard we try to protect ourselves from harm that might come our way, like, we are actually vulnerable human beings that are impacted. And there is a good God, and sometimes those things do happen. Sometimes we get hurt. So, that, for me, that was a really important, like, okay, yeah, that's an important thing for me to remember. But the second part that feels even more significant is despite whatever harm might come my way, I will never be without a path to heal. 
I will never be without the option to walk towards wholeness because that is who God is and that is what God does. I will never be without it. There will never be a path with the option for restoration, with the option for hope, with the promise that death is not the end, that resurrection and life is actually waiting on the other side. And Jesus knows the way very well. And I just think we have a lot more access to that God than we know most days. And so I want to place that here in front of us, a pause in the busyness of our lives again, and to ask, when you look back on this year, what was formed? What needs your attention? Like, where is God inviting you to do better? As we continue in our time of worship here, um, we're going to move to a moment of silence. Before we do that, a couple instructions. Uh, one of the things that became kind of a tethering through this pandemic as we were not gathering in the building together um, was doing communion every week. And so if that has become an important part of your practice on Sunday mornings, we do have self-serve communion right over here. If you want to do a little hand sanitizer and then all the bread is gluten-free, red wine, white grape juice. Um, if you do participate in that, receive these words, body of Christ broken for you, blood of Christ shed for you. But as we move to this time of silence and song after, um, this is the part where the preacher stops talking and maybe the spirit continues the conversation, um, or maybe later this week. Uh, but a couple questions for you to ponder. What are you being invited to look at? What history do you want to keep from repeating? And what is the way that God is carving out a path for you? Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you are the author of healing, that you are the author of transformation, that you are more present and more near than we even know most days. So God, in this moment, would you honor what we're holding? Would you show up? In your name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, as you go, a uh, couple things happening around here this week. Uh, first Thursday of the month, we do an artist mingle. So if you are a creative person, you are invited to that. Again, first Thursday of the month. This Thursday, it will be at Mel's house. So 7 to 8.30, if you are interested in going that, you can email Mel for her address. Find out a little bit more if you have any questions. Uh, melody at awakenwest7th.com. Um, second, keep an eye on your inbox this week. We have the staff and core team has been hard at work in creating all sorts of opportunities to get involved, uh, to have learning experiences, all the things. 
Um, so all the things we're doing in the fall will be communicated this week. You can sign up. And then just a final note, um, we've communicated this the last couple of weeks, but just to reiterate again, we are so bummed that we are not reopening kids' community September 19th like we had originally planned. Um, that comes with a whole host of reasons, which you can find in the Awaken Weekly, but just wanted to say that again. Um, in a couple weeks, we are hoping to have the nursery staffed um, at a limited capacity, though. So. Keep an eye out for more information on that if it applies to you. With that, receive these words as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you, give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.